Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 282. So it's like, do you know what? What if you just said yes? What if you just did it and then worked out how to do it? Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue. So happy to be here with you for another amazing show. You know, I come to you each week with guests to help you gather ideas and motivate you to start or grow your business. If you want to hang out apart from the podcast, make sure to join my Gift Biz Breeze Facebook group. We have thousands of awesome makers who are already there, and I just adore the support and interaction that's happening in this group. You'll hear more about it at the end of the show, but consider this your personal invitation to join us. Okay, this episode, honestly, I entered our talk thinking I would go down a certain path with my questions, but right from the start... We went down another road entirely. It was so good, I just decided to keep going. It truly felt like Teresa and I were out for coffee. Okay, she'd say tea. (laughs) Like two girlfriends chatting about business. We talk about how to deal with negativity and the huge advantage we have as a small business owner over those scary, intimidating big guys. We don't use this advantage nearly enough. We also speculate on the handmade product industry and are in agreement that this is the right place and the right time to be going all in with your handmade products. So pull up a chair and join the conversation. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Teresa Heath Waring. Teresa is an award-winning international speaker, TEDx speaker, trainer, and podcaster. She's recognized alongside some of the world's social media and digital marketing thought leaders and is widely regarded as one of the United Kingdom's leading marketing influencers. Having spent the last 16 years in marketing, working with international brands such as Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lead Pages, Teresa helps businesses, entrepreneurs, and marketers to enhance their digital marketing and social media efforts. Teresa hosts a popular weekly podcast called Marketing That Converts and has interviewed the likes of Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, Jasmine Starr, and James Wedmore, to name just a few. And for those of you who are not regularly hanging out in the social media and marketing world, these are some of the big name leaders of the industry. Teresa, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Ah, thank you so much, Sue. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. I am so excited to hear all the goodies and everything that you'll have to share with us today. But before we get started, I have a traditional question for you here that all our listeners are waiting for, and that is a motivational candle. So it's a little bit of a creative way to get underneath the intro that I just read and know a little bit more about you. So if you were to share yourself through a motivational candle, what would it look like by color and quote? So color would have to be on brand. So it would be a kind of pinky, goldy, sparkly something. I am very girly and I like girly colors. So it'd have to be those colors. And then from a quote point of view, I think it's one I posted really recently, actually, but it seems to be resonating a lot. It's say yes and you'll figure it out afterwards. I love that. Because I think so many times when we get approached with an opportunity, it seems too big. And so we'll reluctantly like we'll put it off or put it to the side. But once you say yes, you've kind of committed to doing it, I think. Absolutely. And you've just got to go for it. And I think when I look back at my business and other business owners that I work with, the fear is the thing that's holding them back all the time. So it's like, do you know what? What if you just said yes? What if you just did it and then worked out how to do it? So I think for me, that's a great one for business. I love that. It kind of correlates. Are you familiar with Mel Robbins and her 54321? Yes, love Mel. 
It's a similar type concept. It's like, don't hesitate. Don't let yourself think too much. Just take that action, in your case, saying yes. Then things happen. The world opens up for you with opportunities. And the other one I think about alongside that is I always ask myself, what's the worst that can happen? Like, seriously, what's the worst? Is anybody going to die? Are you going to lose your house? Are you going to not be able to see your family anymore? No, of course not. That's a ridiculous concept. So seriously, how awful could doing that thing be? So if it's putting yourself out there or doing a Facebook Live, that's normally the one that scares people most. If it's speaking on stage, if it's doing posts with your face on it, seriously, what is the worst that's going to happen? Someone might say something. Well, the chances are really slim, but even if they did, so what? What if you help people? What if it makes a difference to your business? What if it moves you forward? So yeah, I think being brave is a really good thing to try and practice in our businesses. Yeah, I completely agree. And we're so worried about that one person who doesn't like our design or has one little complaint about a product, but we forget about all the other thousands of people who think it's awesome and buy from us all the time. Why do we do that? We gravitate down to that one person. It is ridiculous that we do that, but we do. And and weirdly, I had a conversation with one of my students this morning, and we were talking about she was having real imposter syndrome, real doubting herself, really thinking, God, I'm not very good. I can't do it. I'm this, that, and the other. So my task for her, which I'm going to chase up in a day or two, is that I want you to write down every small, massive thing that you're proud of or thing that went well or thing that was good. And then also the other thing I encourage my members to do is to have a love folder. So every time you get an Instagram story shared or every time someone tweets you or puts something on Facebook or every testimonial you have or review you have, screenshot it, save the image in the love folder. And then of those moments of doubts, those moments of one person saying, why did you pick that color? Or I hate that pattern or that's not for them then go and look at that love folder, go and see and go, actually, like you said, that was one person and this is loads of others. So absolutely worth having that on your computer for when you need it or even better, print it off. That's such a good idea. I think we should all do that. Okay, so that's our first assignment coming from you is making a love folder and keep adding to it. I think you were mentioning that you've interviewed Pat Flynn. I think he has a bulletin board in his office where he puts up like thank you notes and things like that. Yeah, I went to Pat's office. I met Pat when I was over in San Diego and we had coffee and then he took me to his studio and he does. So basically any card or letter or anything that's physically sent to him gets put up on this amazing bulletin board. And he had one of his members do an amazing graffiti of gratefulness or something, I think it says. And it's lovely because, of course, he's walking into that office every day and seeing that and reminding himself that he's helped all those people. And there's always going to be someone. I think that's the other thing, right? There is not one person in this world that goes by without someone saying something negative, not one. And the bigger the people where you would think, oh, they don't care, they probably get it worse. I was doing something with a Tony Robbins event the other week, an online thing, and people who had paid to be at this online event with Tony Robbins were still being negative about him. And I thought that just kind of summed up the ridiculousness of it all. You've paid and yet you're still being, you're saying something. So Even everyone at some stage has to deal with this. But we just have to remember we can't please everybody. We're not going to make everybody happy all the time. And therefore, if we're making some people happy, we've got to focus on that. And just for me, the way I look at it is me as a person, I don't feel the need to go onto the internet and tell someone I don't like them or I don't like the way they dressed or I don't like the amount of weight they have because my life is pretty nice and good and I'm a fairly kind person. So for me, I don't feel the need to do that. So when someone does that to us or if you experience that, The way I deal with it is I think, well, that's a real shame because their life must be pretty awful or they must be pretty unhappy if they have to do that. And then I delete it and I go on with my day. (laughs) So I think that would be my advice if people are sat there thinking I'm too scared to do that. I totally agree. And some people say you really haven't made it till you get that first negative review. (laughs) And you're right. Can I tell you just a really quick funny story? Of course. So I had gone to this one event and I'd spoken at this event and it was fairly early on, I would say, in like where I am compared to now. This woman was in the audience and I could tell she didn't like me. She was in marketing. You could have said she was a competitor and she had a real chip on her shoulder, but I didn't think much of it. Did my talk and the talk was a nightmare. The power went out. We had to move rooms. I couldn't use a screen. So I went over and yeah, it wasn't great. 
but the talk itself was great and people really liked the content. Anyway, a few weeks later, I'm about to do a talk somewhere else and they tweeted out, if anybody's got any questions for our speakers, you can tweet them. And obviously they'd tagged me in. And this woman had put all these like, does she agree that trying to basically like throw me off my guard. And anyway, I started looking at this woman's website, as you do. And she had written a blog post about me, a thousand word blog post about me and my talk and how awful it was and how she supposedly, she wrote in this blog post, is a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketers. She supposedly has a degree. And it's like, I don't supposedly, I do. Like, what are you talking about? And then she was like, I can't believe she didn't mention strategy, not once. And it was like, well, that wasn't what the talk was about. So in my head, I'm sat there looking at this blog. I'm in bed and I'm looking at this blog. I'm meant to be speaking at another huge event the next day, which I know she's the same audience for. So she's likely to be there. And I was panicking, right? I was sat there to my husband. Oh my God, look what she wrote. No, she never mentioned me by name, but it was obviously me and my talk. So my stepdaughter, who would have been, I don't know, about 18 at the time, walked in. And I was like, oh my God, you'll never guess what. This woman's wrote this thing. It's like literally a thousand words. And she literally looked at me, my stepdaughter, and went, you know what that means, tea? Because my stepkids call me tea. She said, you made it. And just walked out the room. And I was like, okay, cool. I've made it. And then that was it. Just let it ride. And I have ever since because... I've got better things and bigger things to think about and worry about. Absolutely. And I have to just make two comments off of that. We're not talking about anything we're supposed to be talking about here, but this is so great because I really think it's going to resonate with a lot of people who are here with us listening. And the first thing is, isn't it great, though, when your audience starts backing you, being like, no, I don't think that that's true, or like all of that happening? So once you have a following, even if it's a few people, they can help you out with that. You don't have to deal with it. And I think the best thing, and just because this came up, this is just a sideline business tip. I think I heard this from Jay Bear first. How do you deal with those haters on social media or wherever else it is? Like you might respond to them once, but at some point or always, you just let it be. You don't engage. You don't go further with it. You just let it be and move on and it will go away. Yeah, because they've got no fight. There's no argument to be had. If you literally just ignore it, then they've got nowhere to go with it. And I think I am on social media a huge amount and I watch things and see things. And inevitably, when you respond and try and defend or argue or put your side across, all you're doing is adding fuel to the fire because then they get the chance to respond again. And if anybody knows anything about social media, you'll know that the algorithm throws out your post the more interaction it gets. So If you put a post out and someone said something mean, and instead of just deleting it, because what's the point in keeping it, and you respond, and then they respond, and you respond, and other people jump on it, what's going to happen with that post is it's just going to keep getting shown to more and more and more people, which that's not why necessarily you want people to see your stuff. I don't want people to see my stuff when there's a full-on argument going on it. So literally, and I have to say as well, being really realistic, I very rarely get anybody saying anything. I don't know whether I'm very lucky or I just have a great audience, but I don't often get negative stuff. And I put myself out there a huge amount and people don't tend to say mean things. So if people are sat there genuinely worried about it, like I said, as you said, people see that negative stuff as you've made it because at least people are seeing it and you're reaching new audiences and new people. And so, yeah, but it doesn't happen very often. But I totally agree with Jay. Just delete it. I don't know how how you'd win out of it, you know? Yeah, just let it go. And honestly... I don't like that kind of karma around my business anyway. No, not at all. It doesn't feel good, whatever they want to say. Most people see through it also, because if they're doing that to you, they're probably doing it to others also, or they're competing with you. So they're feeling like they have to prove that you're less than them or it's just not worth it. But anyway, so let's get off of that topic. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, I think it was a great one to chat about. Like I said, I think it's going to be helpful and remind people of the position to take if that happens to them. But share with me how you got interested in marketing and and what led to the career that you have today. Ah, Okay, so I have been in marketing about 16 years. I did a degree in it back when, when literally social media didn't exist and neither did digital marketing. And I had actually gone to university a little bit later than normal. I, I used to be a nurse nurse, like talk about career change. And I started doing a business degree, really enjoyed the marketing, specialized in that, and then basically went off to have this marketing career, worked in loads of different businesses, 
loads of different massive companies like Land Rover heading up their corporate marketing to teeny tiny businesses where I literally did everything myself. And I loved it. And I got the experience of almost every type of marketing you can imagine. And one of my last jobs where I was employed, I worked for a marketing agency. And again, I got to be head of marketing. I got to work with clients. I got to do everything, which is wonderful. And lots and lots of experience. And then I joke I had a bit of an early midlife crisis because I'd just gone through a separation with my husband. My daughter was about three, four at the time. And I started getting to the point where I thought for my happiness and my well-being, I needed to change jobs. Like I loved where I worked. I'd always had such a good time there, but it just got, it run its course. It was time to move on. So I kind of really arrogantly put my notice in thinking, I'm going to give them eight weeks notice. I'll find another job. I was good at what I did. I've done marketing for a long time and it was my world. And I thought, yeah, I'll get another job. And then forgot that where I live in Shropshire in the UK, the money is not that great. And also the jobs are not that sort of, there's not that many. So I got at about three weeks into my notice and thought, oh my goodness, like nothing is coming forward. And I started toying with the idea of what if I started my own business? At which point my boss at the time decided that she had got wind and heard of the fact that I might be doing this and asked me to leave. So then I was basically, I had about one month's salary. I had no husband, so no other income coming into the house. I had no savings. My parents are not wealthy, so I had no rich parents to lean back on. I had a house that I had to pay the mortgage on, a car that I had to run, a daughter that I had to feed. And I was on my own. I had to do it all. And basically decided pretty much overnight, I'm going to set up my own consultancy slash agency, and I'm going to offer social media and marketing to other businesses. And basically for the first year or so, absolutely like when you talk about hustle, I hustled because I had to earn about £1,700 a month to keep the roof over my daughter's head, food on the table and run the car like and pay the bills. I had no choice. I had to earn that money. And I think I never intended on having my own business, never in a million years. I was a great employee. I liked being an employee because I was so risk averse. And there's nothing like a driver, like you're going to lose the house that you have for you and your daughter if you don't earn this money. And I did. And it's really hard to explain to people now what I did or how I did it. But I just put myself out there. I just basically went to every meeting, did all the networking, put all the proposals together. And then after like a couple of years, when you think, great, I'm going to leave my boss and I'll work for myself and I'll be my own boss. And then you have clients and you realize, actually, I'm not my own boss. I have now 18 of them. And that's really hard. And also at that time, I was being picked up to speak and to go places and to train and to do things around the world. And then trying to manage the agency, even though by that point I got a team, it was really hard. And I had learned all the new type of marketing stuff because obviously I know I've done marketing for a long time, but this industry moves fast. So I'd been learning online. I'd been learning from the Mari Smiths of the world, the Pat Flynn's, the Amy Porterfield's, all these people who have online businesses. And I looked at that and thought, that's what I need. I need an online business. I want genuinely a business that will get to a point where it's a one-to-many model. So I'm not trading my time for money that I can help more businesses and more businesses that couldn't necessarily afford to have us do the stuff for them. And I'd seen all this advice out there. I'd seen all this, all these different people and it was made so big and complicated and overwhelming. And I just wanted to do it in a way that I could go, this is what it is. And it's not that difficult. You just need to know what to do. And let's have some realism about this. As a business owner running a business, I know you can't do it all and you can't the big campaigns or you don't have the budgets. And I wanted to bring it to a level that really helped. So my business today looks like an online membership. So I have an academy where I have lots of business people from all over the world who come in and they learn social media and they learn how to sell things online how to do Facebook ads, they get on coaching calls with me where they can ask me questions and I can help them with their businesses. And then also I have a 90 day program that basically goes much more in depth and you have a lot more interaction, more calls, you have some one-to-one calls and we move you quick. So you get on a call with me and you tell me what you want to do and I help you do that fast. So that's what I do today and I speak. And like we were talking before we got on the call that normally we speak on stages or at the moment, We're speaking digitally, which is great. But obviously, I'm looking forward to the day I get to speak on stages again. I agree. But I will say also, I'm seeing this a lot with my community too, is that people are now more comfortable also 
going into Zoom meeting rooms or all the virtual. So I think in a way it's going to help us as we move forward. Because I think there'll still be that element. And I'm sure when you're interacting with your community, you're still doing a lot virtually, even though you also get to see them in person. Absolutely. So I'm feeling like long term, this is going to kind of help us with that. But one thing in terms of your background and totally makes sense. I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people, people who go from corporate to more one-on-one coaching, but then the freedom that they thought they were getting with their business isn't really freedom at all. (laughs) And then how do you adjust it and how do you switch it and do it different? So Gift Biz listeners, I'm thinking for you a couple of things that you can twist to relate to you is if you're currently still in a nine-to-five job, what's the industry? What contacts are you making? What big names are you working with? Because how impressed are all of us, Teresa, about the names of the people that you worked with, like big names, right? So you can use that credibility as you go off on your own. So I'm thinking, let's say you want to be a candle maker, because you all know that's my very favorite thing in the world. And you work right now at a hospital, like you're one of our essential workers, but you're building your candle business on the side. You know so much about the health industry. What does having peace of mind of a candle burning in your living room give to you and enhance your life? Like there's a way you can take what you're currently doing right now and add it as a beneficial layer on top of the products that you're making. And that's what you did because your first clients, I'm quite sure people came to you because you had the credibility. Land Rover, Jaguar, like the big names, you've got to know what you're doing. (laughs) Like you have to. Yeah, exactly. They wouldn't employ someone that didn't know what they were talking about. And like you said, I love that. I love the fact of taking something that you're doing currently and you're passionate in like, okay, this might not be the thing you want to do going forward. So if you're a nurse or you're in that kind of industry, then granted, you might rather want to do candle making, but you've got these two areas and how can they come together? And I think that's so powerful when I was talking, I was interviewing someone the other day and and she had gone from corporate marketing to holistic and she was doing holistic therapies and doing energy healing and all this sort of thing. And then she brought it together to basically create a business where she helps holistic people market their businesses. And it's like brilliant. It was like your two superpowers you've brought together and you've created a niche thing for you to do. So I think that's such a good idea because initially, I'd imagine if you're listening to this and you are in, let's say you're a nurse or whatever, and you're sat there going, well, I don't know how the two get connected. But actually, is there something that you can take from that into the new business? So I think that's such a good idea, Sue. Yeah. And then it also positions you differently than anybody else who's candle making, to continue with our example. Absolutely. It really gives you a unique feel to your brand, et cetera. But okay, so just wanted to bring that up. And your path has been so interesting. And so now that leads to a couple other questions for you. You've seen both sides now. You've seen corporate, and now you're working with some smaller entrepreneurs at all levels, small, medium, et cetera. What differences do you see between the two, big corporate giants and their marketing and what we're trying to do as entrepreneurs? Stay tuned because we're going to be talking about the value and the opportunities you have as a small business owner versus the big guys. You don't want to miss this. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So this is a great question because actually there are positives and negatives to both. So for me, one of the most beautiful things about being a small entrepreneur, solopreneur, small team, just starting out, is that you are completely and utterly flexible and can move fast. You can learn something and implement it really quickly. So actually, there are things that I do in my business that I know big companies are not doing and should be 
and, and having been on the other end of it, of being in a big company, trying to implement anything new and trying to suggest a new system. So for instance, there are a million marketing systems out there. Like you want a scheduler, I can suggest 20 off the top of my head. There's hundreds. You want something to send your emails and to tag people and do funnels. Great. You want something to create your sales pages or your landing pages. Brilliant. Again, there are all these systems, but in a corporate world, if you want to introduce and change anything, it takes not just months, but years to do this, right? And because it's so big and you've got so many people to consider and there's a whole process when it comes to bringing on a new system or working with a new supplier and that sort of thing. So for me, one of the beauties about small business is the fact that we get to tweak, change, shift, move. And I think this has been no more obvious than since going through COVID. Since I remember one of the reasons I left Land Rover in the end, which actually is very sad, was one, I was trying for a baby and just the thought where I lived and where head office was was miles and miles. And I just thought this wouldn't be manageable. And the other reason was because I wanted to work from home and there was no reason why I couldn't. Like literally, I did a job where I worked with agencies, where I worked with the salespeople, where area salespeople, so they weren't based in the office. So the only person based in the office was my boss. And it was like, I don't need to be sat here to do my job. He said, no, there was no way I could work from home. And then look at what's happened. Everyone's had to work from home and you're going to get loads of people going, actually works. Like people are more productive. So that for me is one of the real positives of having your own small business. The downside, I would say, and the positive for the corporate is that I had a team of agencies and a team of experts and people who worked in other businesses that could bring me their thoughts, that we could get around the table, have a conversation, throw ideas together. And sometimes even as a marketer in my own business, that's really hard for me to do. People think because I do this for other people that I must have all the ideas. It's not. I have been used to sitting around a table chatting to other marketers, other people in the business and getting their advice and doing it as a team. I have a team, but they're all virtual. And obviously, it's not quite the same as being sat in an office and having a regular meeting. And I don't know about you, Sue, if you've done corporate work, you have meetings for meeting sakes. So you end up having a lot of meetings. And obviously, we don't do that in this world because we're efficient and we do the work that we need to do and then we move on and do something else. And so, yes, I think there is definitely negatives and positives of both I think for me I love the world we're in especially now things move so fast new ideas come up all the time and I think we should be very grateful that we are flexible to do these changes and things and if we've got a bit of help with that a VA or someone on our team then brilliant but I think that's a really positive thing. Yeah I agree with the nimbleness of a small business Do you remember when social media was just coming out, which actually you transitioned almost right at the perfect time, I'm thinking. Yeah, I did. But do you remember like corporations were so afraid to let their employees talk about the company? Do you remember that? Honestly. And small businesses that had really gotten it were all over it and they were attracting audiences like crazy. And would you say, I think it was like two or three years before any large business started recognizing the value of doing that? It took a long, long time. Absolutely. A huge amount of time. And also what was interesting is suddenly these teeny tiny businesses blew up overnight, like because they thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? And actually, that's a really positive thing in the fact that they hadn't got investors and 500 staff and headquarters. So actually being nimble, that's a great word, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that one soon to some way to describe it. Take it. Being nimble and being able to go, do you know what? I'm going to try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Actually was a huge success for some people. And then it took these giants a long time to catch up. And then it wasn't natural and it wasn't easy. And then, so it's taken, I think, and I think some of them still don't have it right at all, but it's taken them a long time to kind of, for us to identify with them from a social point of view. Whereas when it's you and your business, I know I've got someone in my membership who she makes memory gifts. So she basically takes baby clothes of like when your baby's grown out of them and for their first birthday, she might take all of the baby clothes She will then create them into this beautiful elephant or this amazing kind of sloth or whatever the character is that they choose. And it's patchwork of all these beautiful things. 
and her quality is amazing, skills amazing. One thing that's really good is that she gets to show her. So not only do we get to see her product and what she's selling, but we get to know her and we get to see that she's got kids and that she's juggling family and what she's been doing through lockdown and sort of the connection that we make with her is so much stronger because of that because not only do we want to get her to do the product or want to buy that thing from her but actually we like her and we understand her and she understands us and you start getting that personal connection that you can only get through the personal aspect of it and that's where the bigger companies struggle because trying to get them to kind of show that personality one they're terrified and two it's really hard with a big corporate. So again, I think that's a real advantage in the world of authenticity and vulnerability that small business owners can do where the corporates really struggle. I agree with you. I mean, they're still trying to keep control, stick on brand, stay with the message, all of that type of thing. But I think one of the points, and I agree with you, I also did my stint in corporate and loved it. I wasn't one of those who, I mean, I was ready for the next, actually, I wanted to stay home with the kids for a few years. So that's what I did when I could. And there's nothing wrong with corporate. Like my experience with corporate, I think, set me up for my future. But big corporate meetings that because they're scheduled for an hour, we're going to sit in there an hour when really productive talk was 15 minutes, things like that. And I think some of that has changed too. We've all heard about people having stand-up meetings instead of sit-down meetings, all that kind of thing. But to your point about being able to sit down with experts, I'm feeling like that's where networking and masterminds, even at a local level with people who aren't in the same type of business as you, can really help fill the void there where you can banter back and forth strategies and ideas and thoughts. And coaching groups, too. Same thing. So where it was a weakness, I think there's a way for us to fill it in as something that's even more beneficial for us. I totally agree. And I think one of the interesting things, actually, and you just mentioned it then, was having a group that isn't necessarily all your industry. So one thing that we do all the time is we'll have a coaching call a couple of times a month where everyone is able to get on screen, they get on screen with me. And it's one of the most enjoyable things I do because I don't have to plan anything. I don't create anything. I literally just turn up, everybody comes on, we have a bit of a chat. And then anybody who's got a question, I answer it. And what's great is because I know who's in the membership and I know what they do and and I have an idea is if I'm talking to one of them and they're saying, should I do this on my website or should I do this on social media or should I create a lead magnet about this or whatever, then I'm able to go answer their question, but then turn to someone else and go, actually, you know, so-and-so, that would also work really well for you. But so-and-so, I wouldn't do that if I was you. And again, it's like having different industries opens you up to ideas that you would never have thought of or no one's ever tried in your industry. And actually, why wouldn't it work? And being the first could be amazing. So for me, I love that. I love the and I've paid and and I'm part of mastermind groups and coaching groups in order to do that as well, in order to just listen to what people say and what they do and go, okay, cool, actually. Why wouldn't that work? Or why couldn't I take a version of that? So yeah, I totally agree. That's got to be our version of having those people around us. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate of that. Actually, I always recommend both. So if you are into, let's say, promotional products and you do sublimation or something, then you want to be in a group that is consistent with peers of yours with the product that you have. But then also being kind of like my group, Gift Biz Breeze, we have all people, we have bakers in there, we have candle makers, powders, jewelry. And so they all, just like you were saying, get to chat with each other about a handmade business. But it's true because you can get so siphoned into the terminology of your industry, the approaches of your industry, but by having still some commonality, but a little bit of a different focus, it really can become valuable. I agree with you totally. I see the same thing over on my side. Do you not think as well sometimes that I see it all the time in, well, I used to, I don't do so much of this work now, but when I worked with businesses, as in businesses that had a team and a marketing department, they just did the same things all the time because they got themselves into a rut and they're like, this is now what we do. And that was it. So they didn't bring in any new ideas. They didn't think about new things. So for me, having those other people and new ideas is a really, really good thing. Yeah, I agree with you. The other thing I think that would happen is the bosses, the higher ups, depending on how the company structure was, were requiring certain reports 
So you had to work for the information that needed to go on a piece of paper, that needed to go to a report, and didn't move the needle at all for anything you were trying to accomplish. But by golly, if you didn't have that paper done, like, where's the report, (laughs) right? You're so right. Honestly, it is, like you said, meetings for meetings sake, reports for reports sake, and just not being able to go with your gut sometimes just because you know that actually, I think that is really going to work. Can we try it? Yeah. Don't we all feel lighter now? as the owners of our own businesses. I've loved this conversation so far. (laughs) And you know what else I'm seeing? And I'm not sure if you're seeing it in the UK. I'm thinking you probably are. But here in America, I'm getting this real strong feeling of, and part of it is probably because of COVID, but it was happening already before then, is support of small businesses. I mean, even favoring small businesses over Now face it, there's always going to be room for Amazon and Target and like some of the big box stores where you can get a lot of products cheaply. But the quality and supporting a handmade business or a small business of any sort, right, seems to be coming more and more favorable these days. Do you see that? Yeah, I absolutely do see that. I think it comes down to because of something like social media, because of how open and authentic our marketing is now is that we decide that we want to work with people we like we want to buy from people we like so I want to support the companies that I enjoy interacting with so there's I joke that and if you check out my about page on my website I say that I drink tea because I'm British and by tea I mean gin and I love gin. Oh, we got to get together when you come to San Diego next. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And we do gin well in the UK. We've got a lot of gin over here. But there's this amazing shop, probably like 30 minutes from where I live, that sells all these amazing different gins that you wouldn't necessarily see in a supermarket or a shop. And what's amazing about going to them, even though it's out of my way, even though it's not delivering to my door and I could probably get it maybe a pound or two cheaper by ordering it online, is that when I walk into that shop and I say to the owner, I'm thinking about this one, what do you think? She knows me so well now that she'll go, that's not for you, Teresa. I don't think you're going to like that. Or she can give me a sample of it. And that is why I will go to her all the time as compared to buying it from Amazon or from an online store, because she knows the same as the love that goes into the products that Nick, my member, creates. I would rather go to her. So I was having some cushions done. I've recently done my garden now. It got the most interaction of stuff I've ever done, if I'm honest. But, you know, people love that stuff. And I was having some cushions made. And of course, my first place was, oh, I love Nick. Nick does great stuff. I wonder if she wants to do this. I wonder if this is what she would do. And I went to her and said, you know, do you make cushions? She's like, yeah, great. And I I gave her the business because we want to work with people we like and that we resonate with. And I think that is one of the reasons why we are wanting to support smaller businesses and buy from those businesses. Because like you said, there is always going to be stuff that I order from Amazon without doubt. Like the kids go through charger wires on phones like you wouldn't (laughs) believe. I don't know why or how. They obviously eat them or something. But So I'm going to buy that from Amazon. But like for other things where the skill has gone into it, and especially in the handmade industry, it's not the same. It's the skill of what you do and what you're making is your superpower. That's your USP. And you'll do it slightly different to someone else. And you'll mark it in a way that's slightly different. Or you'll talk about why you love it in a different way. And that will inspire me to buy from you. Absolutely. And I think people are also getting tired of having, let's use your cushion covers, okay? You don't want to go to one of your friend's houses and see that they have the same cushion covers. You want to be unique. And I think that's why some of we're going away from some of the more quote unquote chain type stores, because our friends are going to have something similar. Or if I'm in Houston, I could buy the same thing that I could buy here in Chicago. And that's starting now to get boring and more unique is starting to become more popular. But here's the thing, Teresa. And I know you're going to have some really good information to say on top of this is the only way you get that connection, like you went to your gin person, right? Like you walked in and so you started building a relationship that way. And the way we have to do it online too is showing up, being there. Like you were just talking about how we want to buy from people that we like, who kind of know us, where we've established a relationship. The only way we, I'm speaking gift biz listeners, you and I, are going to have our audience know us is by showing up and being online and being our personal selves, not hiding behind posts all the time, but showing ourselves. Honestly, this for me is one of the biggest things for any business that's a smaller business. 
and especially in this industry. So showing up and showing who you are and having that conversation is important anyhow, like regardless of whether it's online or whatever. And if it was a networking situation, so let's say previous to COVID, let's say you were going out and you were networking and actually that was bringing you in a bit of business and that was great. You're basically walking into a room full of other business owners, whether it's a mum thing, whether it's a whatever the thing is, and you're going up and having conversations with people. And I liken online to this, right? So imagine the scenario, you are in a networking situation, you walk into the room and you walk up to someone and introduce yourself because that's what you do. You don't know anybody and you go, hi, Sarah, my name's Teresa. How are you doing? She's like, yeah, I'm good. And you tell her what you do and you ask what she does and you have a bit of a conversation. You say, have you been here before? No, it's my first time. Okay. Do you know anybody? And you make small talk. And then it comes like your 60 seconds or whatever it is. And you give your elevator pitch about what you do. And then that's it. And you go home and then you go again the following week and Sarah's there again. And of course, it's a familiar face. You're like, oh, hi, Sarah. How are you doing? How was your weekend? And then you start having a conversation about Sarah's got kids. Oh, great. How old your children? Mine at this age. And you start to find similarities. And then you kind of go, did you do that? Have you tried this? And then you find out a bit more about their business. And over the weeks coming and she keeps listening to your 60 seconds and you keep listening to hers. And then eventually Sarah will go, do you know what? I have a need for this. And I'm thinking that you might be able to help. And then eventually you have that kind of, okay, let me show you what I do. Or let me give you some information that might help. And if you get stuck, then come and have a chat and we can work together. And and then you get into that conversation, okay? So then let's take that networking meeting online. So effectively what's happening in online is you are walking into that networking room and you're going, hi, Sarah, my name's Teresa and I have an online business membership. It does this, it's this much money. Would you like to buy it? And then they look at you like you have three heads because it would be the weirdest scenario in the world if you were to do that in person. But what happens is you do it online and no one buys and you don't know why that is. You look at that and go, well, this is rubbish. It doesn't work. Like Facebook ads, terrible, don't work. But what you've done is you've missed out all of that preamble. You've missed out, this is who I am. This is what I do on a weekend. This is why I do what I do. These are some of the products I sell. This is what I love about what I do. This is me on a Sunday night preparing for my week. This is me sat in a messy office trying to tidy it up because I've just had loads of samples of materials in. This is me and my kids helping me make this thing. This is me doing the process. And then there's the other side of that, of you showing up, is you interacting. Again, social media is a online networking. This isn't a billboard for businesses to go buy my stuff, look at my stuff. So again, it's about you responding to their comments. It's you knowing who you're trying to sell to and going to like their stuff and commenting on their stuff. So let's say if I take my example of my member, Nick, she sells these products that are normally mums or nans or whatever that buy them. The children are fairly young still because they're normally using like a one-year-old and once they've grown out and that sort of thing. So Nick needs to be going to places where those types of people are going to hang out. She needs to be commenting on their pictures. She needs to be having conversations with them. She needs to be replying to their stories because this is the two-way conversation. This is the two-way thing. And this is the thing that people miss out. They see it as a billboard. They say, buy my stuff and no one buys. And they go, either social media is rubbish, it doesn't work, or I'm rubbish, I've got a terrible product, no one wants to buy it. And it's not the case. It's the case of, I had a great example where there's a lady that she just joined my membership about a week or two ago. And she joined my membership after an entire year of following me. So she saw me speak at an event over a year ago. She then saw me speak at another event probably six months later. She's followed all my stuff. She likes all my posts. She listens to my podcast. She does all the things. But it took her 12 months to make the decision to join the membership. Now, what if I had said to her in day one, do you want to buy my stuff? And she had said no. And I'd gone, well, that was a waste of time. It takes time and it takes that commitment to show up and go, this is who I am and be really vulnerable about it and talk about your process and talk about how you're managing or how you're transitioning through from part time to full time in the business or the new machine you've just got or a new way that you create a particular thing that you do. So we want to see that stuff. And again, just really quickly, I have a friend who is a jewelry maker and she I didn't realize because I'm obviously an idiot. She would come in and I would see her and she'd make these beautiful rings or she would say, this is one of my rings and da da da. And I thought, oh, that's stunning and it's gorgeous. And it was really high end. And it occurred to me after several, several months of being friends, I went, do you actually make them? She was like, (laughs) 
what? And I said, do you actually make that? And she's like, yeah. And I said, are you for real? I said, I didn't realize that you actually made them. I assumed that she designed them and then maybe she sent them off somewhere or because these were absolutely amazing. And these are big diamonds. And and I was blown away. And I said, but you know what? I've been friends with you all this time. Obviously, I'd never asked the question, but I follow you on social media and I don't know that. And that's not good. I need to see you do that. I need to see that you've got that skill because the credibility and my opinion of you will go up tenfold. Yeah, this is such a good point because I think we're so close to the products that we make and what we do. We're too close. And so it's kind of like if you were going across a rambling creek and the stones were like super far apart. So you had to jump to each stone, right? But instead, if the stones were closer together, you could just walk across them easily. I think that's what we do because that's so interesting that you didn't know and she's a close friend, but she didn't tell you. And so if you didn't know as a friend, what do you think about social media viewers? There's no way they'd have known. We have to like walk, take people's hand and walk them through. And it seems so obvious to us, but this is such a great story. I'm so glad you said that. It's so true. And that helps us with content then, right? Because we already have more content than we think of as makers, because we can talk about the systems, give sneak peeks of behind the scenes, how you create things show finished product, just show lifestyle things, how you incorporate all of this stuff. But we have to be showing that and putting it out there. And I think of the things that you think are obvious, right? I don't know that you source. So another friend of mine, my daughter and her daughter are best friends, and she makes clothes for children. And oh, this woman's got an eye for fabric. It is so beautiful. Like it's so, so good. And I went to pick up my daughter from her house the other week. She'd had a play day and she told me that she is now designing the fabrics and giving them to a fabric maker and basically making her own fabrics. And the designs you cannot get anywhere else because she is designing them, right? And that, one, blew my mind because I was like, how incredibly talented is this woman? But again, that's what you need to tell me. And you don't need to tell me once. You need to tell me every week in a social media post. You need to frame it in a different way or you need to show a different picture or you need to, because we all know, even if I followed you and loved your stuff and kept watching it, I still only see probably less than half. And if that was if I was like a really big fan, the truth is the organic reach is so low. The people who open your emails, if you're lucky, it's 20, 30%. We think as business owners, we are bombarding people. And I'm telling you, we are nowhere near. And if, let's say, for instance, you're putting all this amazing content out, you're telling people what you do all the time, you're doing calls to action, you're showing how you make it, you're telling them that your superpowers about what makes you so brilliant. And let's say, for instance, there is one person looking at it thinking, God, I'm sick of that. I've seen it five times. They're not your customer. So if they want to choose to unfollow you, absolutely fine, because they're never going to buy your stuff. Honestly, you think that, oh, I can't say that again, because everyone knows that. They don't. The lady that had followed me for 12 months, she actually said to me before she joined, she hadn't even looked at what was included in the academy, hadn't even been to the sales page. And I just thought, I sit here thinking, I talk about it all the time. And actually, evidently, I don't, because someone who follows me really avidly had never even clicked to look at the sales page. So yeah, you've got to put it out there. You've got to keep saying it. You've got to keep promoting those things because we won't see it. Right. Or they might just not be in the market for it right now. Exactly. And if you don't stay in front of them with your message when they are ready to buy, you're not going to be there, but someone else might be. So you always have to be out there. Okay. As we start winding down here, Are there any mistakes or cautions you would give us that you continue seeing people doing with marketing? Yeah, I think the key thing for me is that interaction and that engagement because of the fact that people are seeing it as kind of an advert or a a kind of way to shout at the world that it's got to be a two-way thing. And also, especially in this industry, user-generated content is like the best thing. So you are in an industry where you sell products and not just like any product, but handmade, beautiful, love poured into, crafted, skilled, amazing stuff. Okay, so you want to do everything in your power to get other people to talk about how amazing those products are. 
So when you send your product or you sell your product or however you get it to your customer, you want a card in there that says, I'm on social media and I would love it if you would take a photo and tag me in. If you would share with your friends this thing and then incentivize them. So tell them, if you do this once a month, I pick one winner who has tagged me in a post and I give you a £20 voucher or $20 voucher, or I give you a chance to win XYZ. You've got to give them incentive because at the end of the day, people have got their own stuff to do and they need that incentive. But trying to get as many people to be posting on social media, your products, your stuff, working with people who are maybe brand advocates, maybe micro influencers, but you want people to be showing your stuff because you saying, look how lovely my stuff is, is great. However, sharing on Insta story, retweeting, sharing on Facebook, someone else going, oh my goodness, I've just got this and how amazing is it? That works tenfold as good as you could do. So user-generated content, like I said, look for the opportunities. Definitely when you're sending them stuff, make sure there's a card in there. Make sure you're asking them, maybe in a follow-up email or in the email that confirms the item or whatever it is. Think about all the places and all the ways in which you can encourage someone to take a photo, to tag you in, to share the joy of the thing that they've just received. Oh my gosh, Teresa, that is like the golden nugget of this whole (laughs) conversation. I'm so glad. I've loved it because it's kind of like you and I are just sitting across the table chatting about business and all. And this one actionable tip, everybody can take. Every single person can take this and use this to grow their business. So that is dynamite. Oh, so glad. We've already talked a little bit about, well, quite a bit earlier about what you have going Where can people go and read more about that? So if you head to TeresaHeathWaring.com, if you literally Google Teresa HeathWaring, you're going to find me. Pick your favorite platform. Mine is Instagram, so you'll see me there more often than not. And if you go to TeresaHeathWaring.com forward slash academy, then you can check out the academy or go check out Marketing That Converts podcast. That's where you can find me. Perfect. And as always, there'll be a show notes page. So if you didn't catch that right off the top, just go check the show notes page. We'll have all the links there for you. Teresa, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. See what I mean? Wasn't it fun to have some girl talk about business and catch some major business tips at the same time? Seriously, use the user-generated content idea Teresa gave us at the end. It's golden. Want to know what's coming up for next week? We're going to be talking to a product maker who's only been in business for a couple of years. But in starting her business, she trusted her gut, listened to her growing community, and has a lot to tell us about her journey. Things you'll be able to take and use in your business too. So that's a wrap for this week. Thank you, as always, for being here. If you'd like to show support for the show, please leave a rating and review. That means so much and helps the show get seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Bye for now. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.